Hey everyone, I hope everyone is doing well. So in the last episode, I talked about my last week of training. In this one, I want to talk about stuff outside of the gym. So school stuff and just general life stuff. So the first thing that I wanted to mention was daylight savings time uh, kicked in. And it's actually been very nice. So the first day that it was happened was on the day I had my competition. So it was good. I went to bed extra early because I did lose an hour of sleep. But thankfully, uh, did not negatively impact me. Or if it did, it was to a minimum, because I had gone to bed very, very early. But that's been kind of nice because it's been light in the morning and light later just in general. So it's it just makes, uh, sorry, as I kick my desk, it makes the week feel better. Every day when I'm in the gym, sometimes I get out when it's still light. So it's definitely nice to have that aspect because in the winter, it's just dark all the time, forever. Um, and th- definitely getting some of that, is just it just makes the days feel better. But uh, as far as the school aspect, a uh, big thing I had to do last week was to get progress reports done. Uh, there were some discussions that we've had as a special ed department about uh, lessening the workload of the paperwork by adhering to rules that other districts use that we don't use. Essentially, for our progress reports, we do them every five weeks. Some districts do them every nine weeks. So the discussion was to ask about doing them every nine weeks because, one, the form of none changed. They want a lot more data in them. And it's extremely time-consuming. It takes approximately six hours to complete uh, the full caseload of prior supports, and that is essentially outside of school hours. Uh, If I were just to use time, the allotted 8.35 to 4.05 time at school, I would never get anything done, ever. Uh, I would be able to plan lessons, and the lessons would be planned hastily and horribly. I would get none of the paperwork done. Prior supports would be in the lowest priority to get done because I would have IEPs and other things. So obviously I have to spend outside time of school to get paperwork uh, even semi-caught up because uh, I was uh, the end of the quarter was last Thursday. So ideally you'd have prior supports prepared at that point or on the next school day, which would have been uh, Monday. But that just wasn't possible. I had too much stuff to do at school. And the Friday and Monday where students were at school, we had professional professional, professional uh, development days uh, for the full day on Friday and for part of the day on Monday. And it's frankly just not possible to get all the part supports were done in a couple of hours, um, especially with the new form. So like the six hours that I quoted for it taking for power supports to finish was at a midpoint of a quarter so it is less strenuous in that sense because they don't have to be as in-depth but it's also with the old forms which uh, is a much bigger time saver because when you get into a workflow and a routine of uh, paperwork it becomes a lot easier to just do it um, because you're used to it and I've been using the same form since I started teaching uh, at the end of 2016 which makes me feel really old uh, especially because I'm going to be turning 26 this year but um, because of the new forms, which I actually like, like now that I'm using the new forms, I like them. It's just getting used to the different format and developing that workflow to get them done. But, um, I really think for us, special ed teachers, they need to do one of two things. They either need to give us more time to do the paperwork or allow us to do the paperwork less frequently. My preference preference would be the less work because they are never going to give us enough time that would adequately allow us to complete our paperwork in addition to our teaching duties and regular just outside like lunch duty and stuff like that. That would be an ideal world. 
that they would just lessen the paperwork because if there's less work, then there's less need for them to try to allocate more time to us. And for us, there's just less work, which is <laughs> ideal. Uh, and for progress reports, they, they're they good for the next special ed teacher coming in, but I've never had a parent ask me anything about anything I've ever put in a progress report. I don't think a lot of times they get home, they just probably get thrown away or the parent looks at them and throws them away because they don't have any actual academic grades on them. It just has the uh, work that they do in the classes, in like my class, the small group class, and if they're making progress towards their goals. A lot of parents don't really pay attention to that. They kind of look at the quick glance of their classroom grades. They use that as a gauge of whether they are being successful or not. It's not really a bad thing that they do, but it just kind of makes the paperwork frequency very unnecessary, especially when parents are are generally not going to look at it. And I think, I mean, from my standpoint, uh, if I was a parent or whatever, I would think that if I was less frequently getting these large IEP looking progress report type things, that I'd be more inclined to look at them than if I was getting them every five weeks. So instead of getting four of them in a, or getting eight of them in a year, I'd be only getting four. So they would, I theoretically would have more significance attached to them. And from a paperwork aspect or from an power support writing aspect, they would have more data in them. They would have more detail in them because you'd have the full nine weeks. Now, would every teacher spend the nine weeks and add data throughout it? No, because I, from personal experience, have not <laughs> during a five-week span added data throughout. It's usually the week or two before I start working on them and then hopefully have them done by the time I need to or a couple days after because, well, we just don't get any time to do paperwork, frankly. Um, so that part, I think we get a half-day a quarter. I don't even think it's really a quarter and it's not organized in a way that I use it. Like if it was, here's the day where intervention specialists are going to do, you know, going to do their paperwork. They have half a day or whatever, whatever it may be. I think it would work better that way, but kind of leaving it uh, kind of free willy nilly, then it's hard to justify a day where you use it because there's always stuff to do. There's always teaching stuff to do, or there's a test. And I work with all of the sixth grade teachers, all of the fifth grade teachers, and they all have different things happening on different days. And so like you want to be there to provide the support and teach on the different days and be a teacher and whatnot. But uh, that part is difficult to do. So hopefully they figure that out or lessen the paperwork. Lessening the paperwork would be ideal. Uh, outside, of, outside of school and outside the gym, um, just when I'm at home and stuff, I would like to do a bit more reading. I have just been, I don't even want to say lazy about it because I've had, like I have legitimate reasons why I don't do a lot of leisure reading. It's because I go to school all day. I come home I li or I go to the gym for several hours. I come back, eat, and then it's nine o'clock and I'm exhausted and I don't feel like doing leisurely reading about Richard Nixon and Mao and stuff like that. So I don't, during the week is very difficult what I have the advantage of is during the weekend, I have more time and I have more time to relax and to drink. Like right now it's 8.15 and I can drink a little extra coffee and sit down and read and there's not as much going on and I can kind of allocate that time. What I'm bad about is I like doing video games a little bit. I'll play Madden or something and that find, I find that relaxing. 
but it's also spends a lot of my time. And by the time I finish, I kind of get in the same boat where I'm tired because I still work out obviously on the weekends with that. But I do want to get better at that because I do want to finish that book. Um, Cause I essentially, my goal for reading this year, kind of like the new year's resolution was to just always be reading. I don't have a specific number of books I want to read because every book's of different difficulty and different lengths. And um, I, that would be kind of, for me, it'd be kind of silly because I could just find books that are more fiction based that are easier to read uh, a lot of and focus on those versus more informational ones. So I kind of have a balance of it. I uh, have read a couple of fiction books. The Nixon Mal book is a nonfiction book. And it's actually really interesting. It's just hard to be interested in stuff when you're exhausted. Um, I also have a book by uh, or about Hillary Clinton, a book about Trump with the election stuff. Um, back that was written pretty soon after the election. So it would be interesting if I can ever get to those ones. I have a book on Buddhism, which will take me forever to get to. <laughs> and then I have like, I, I, I just have a lot of books that I want to read and I have available to me because I've gotten from the library. Thankfully, with a lot of the books that I have, they're not very in demand. So the ability for me to get the book is, or to renew it multiple times has not really been difficult for really any book. Um, I just know that there are some books like I have a catalyst athletics weightlifting book that I've glanced through and I know I'm not going to like sit down and read cause it's pretty basic in nature. So I just need to take that kind of stuff back. Also have some books at school that students were kind of interested in a little bit, but they weren't interested in enough to, uh, read it a lot. I think, uh, a lot of like physical books are good for the gen ed room, but they don't really, they're not as good for my room because students just aren't in there for the amount of time and they're in and out of the room and they come in at different times and it, it's hard for them to get a book that they and I can't like let them take the book with them because it's not my book. It's the library's book. So it's hard for them to get in there, get the support they need for the classwork, have time to read a regular book. Kind of the same problem I have. They got a lot of crap to do <laughs> and we all have that same problem with that. But there are some of those library books I'll probably take back. What I am finding I really wish my students would like Shel Silverstein, who's poetry-based. But what I'm finding is that I have some students that like Calvin and Hobbes. At least I have one student in particular that likes those ones. I love Calvin and Hobbes. It was something that I loved reading growing up. My brother had several of those books. I like reading Shel Silverstein as well. I wish a student would kind of find that love for it. But it's definitely, it's hard, I, I don't know. It's hard to get kids motivated to read a physical book like that because it's just a bunch of poems. But at least with the Calvin and Hobbes, it's really... It's very photogenic. It's very interesting and engaging to look from that aspect. But it also has, like, it's, they're all really good comics. They're, it's a, a lot, the guy wrote them really well. Um, a lot of them interesting messages or they're just silly, but I really enjoy them. And anything that you can get a kid to do for pleasure, reading-wise, is going to be such a huge benefit because they're going to do a lot more than if they're forced to do something. Uh, I have been using the, the website Epic a lot. Uh, which has a ton of books on it, which is good because students are able to find books. And I challenge them um, to find books that have AR levels because if they have an AR level, they have a quiz on them. And then usually they can vary from like a five question quiz to 10 based on the length of the book. Most of my students prefer shorter books that they can finish in one um, class session, which I don't necessarily think is bad. They get more practice. They get to take a quiz. They get to see if they've, you know, understand the book. Uh, what's nice is they can use the book to do the quiz, so they generally should do well if they read the book. They can find a book that's at their reading level, and I can challenge the students. So if a student gets above a 70% on one of those quizzes, and really, you know, if it's five questions, they have to get four out of five. If it's 10, obviously seven out of 10. 
uh, I think there's a couple that are like three questions, which are very infrequent, but those are very short books. So obviously they have to get all three of those correct uh, because there's only those three questions. But if they get that uh, above that 70%, then I give them a Jolly Rancher, which is a great reward system. It's a very positive reward system. It means you read a book, you passed the quiz, you understood it, and then you get a a little reward like that. And there are some kids that really are motivated by that. And most students are, but there are some students that really take advantage of that and really kind of push what they are able to do in a class period. I had one girl do read like three books and get three Jolly Ranchers. I'm like, that's fine. Like, that's a good investment on my part. If I'm giving kids Jolly Ranchers for academic performance like that or for reading performance, which is a a huge thing. Uh, What I do to make it more difficult to earn the Jolly Ranchers is I make students have to read above a certain level, depending on who the student is. So I differentiate in that aspect. For a lower reader, uh, for my one boy that's in fifth grade, I make him have to have above a uh, 2.0 and then obviously there's incentives for him to do above three or whatever. For most students, it's like that third grade level. Because for most of them, like a third grade, like if they did a 3.0, it'd be a little bit below where they where they are. But it's still challenging enough. It's kind of like right near their instructional level. And for a lot of the books, they vary. So kind of setting that bottom benchmark will allow them to be targeted uh, where they need to be in, at, at their instructional level, essentially, which will be good because it's challenging enough for them where it's not a baby book, but it's not so difficult that they give up or they don't know any of the questions because there's a lot of words they didn't understand. Uh, one of the really cool things of that website as well is they have read aloud books. Uh, some of them are audio books, which I don't necessarily not like because it's good for the comprehension aspects. There's just not a lot of AR quizzes on them, although one student did found, find one the other day. Uh, but for some of the read aloud books, what's really cool about them is they'll read the text show, as they show you the text. So a student who reads at a lower level could read a higher level book because it's read aloud and they can follow along as the book goes, which shows them the words, which is a beneficial thing to do for the reading. And it gets them to just do do more of reading, even if it's a little bit easier with it and to work on the comprehension aspect. Because a lot of students, uh, well, actually for all, all my students, it really varies what they struggle at, whether it It is fluency or fluency and comprehension. Just about every student struggles a little bit in comprehension, uh, but a lot of students will struggle at fluency as well. So being able to work kind of congruently on that is some of the most difficult thing when you have a kid that's low in fluency and comprehension to give them stuff that they can work on comprehension skills that won't tax them fluency-wise is difficult. It's nice when you have students that read, you know, 100 plus words a minute because you're not worried about their fluency limiting them in their ability to comprehend things. They can read fast enough to where they can uh, theoretically understand the text and they show that that they're able to with lower levels. It's just getting them to do it with higher level ones. Um, So that's been a big thing I've been doing um, at school to really push those AR quizzes because they get some points with their class. They get some practice reading and it's a good incentive system and it's very easy for me to organize. So it's a very good kind of catch all for a day if I want. I mean, like, and it's 100% beneficial. That's what's nice. It's not like they're on a computer playing a game. They're literally reading books. They're doing quizzes on them and they're challenging themselves at their reading levels. And it's, uh, I, I absolutely love the website. Never went to paid. I had probably paid to have it. Uh, and it's been a absolute changer for this school year, really. I don't know. It feels like an ad for it, but it's free for teachers to use. I think kids can pay for it to have it at home. Um, unless they, if they want like their own personal account, but, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I like it. There's a lot of books on it that are, I don't read books on it, but like I, if I was a kid, I would read all kinds of books on it. I mean, they're essentially just like kids books. So, uh, that part's been really nice. Uh, but as we move forward to the end of the, the school year, 
They sent us the end of the year paperwork stuff, which is always nice to, to see that email because it means the end of the year is approaching. Uh, spring break for my school is at the end of April after testing, and testing will be coming up pretty soon, which is exciting in a sense because it just means the end of the school year is coming up and summer break is slowly but surely coming on along. Uh, I have a lot of paperwork to do at this point of the year as far as IEPs and EGRs and stuff. Um, not so much ETRs, but a lot of IEPs that are going to be bubbling up and creating a lot of work, a very busy end of the year, which I'm not looking forward to, but that is the the nature of the beast. So I think that's about it that I wanted to talk about in this episode. I hope you all are having a great week and you enjoyed last episode and this episode. I look forward to talking to you all in the next one. Have a great day. Peace. <laughs>